my daddy window, sir. Evening, sir. Oh, I've been following you for the past five miles. Do you have any idea how fast you were going? Um, no, officer. Sorry, I, I don't. Oh, damn. That's a bit annoying, actually. Speedo's broken in a patrol car. I was hoping you'd give me a clue. I mean, we were really ragging it back there. OK, well, um, on your way, then. Oh, just, just watch it, cos some of that heroin's coming out of the bag in the back. Hello, welcome to the On Speed Show. I'm the bit called Gareth Jones. He's the bit called Zog. Say hello, Zog. Hello there. And he's the bit called Richard. Hello. Porter. Hello again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, did you enjoy Hungry as much as I enjoyed Hungry? I didn't enjoy most of it until it suddenly got very exciting. Not that I want to wish ill on Philippa Massa. But he did uh, suddenly deliver an entertaining race for us by having things go bang, didn't he? Well, I mean, you, you, you want an exciting start to a race, and you certainly want an exciting finish. And uh, well, I think we got both, really. Yeah. You know. So what went wrong with Lewis at the first corner, guys? Any theories? Well, how come Massa got away quicker? Don't know why, but Massa was made a spectacular move, made it stick. I mean, he I was, was absolutely was on the limit there, uh, breaking into the corner. Thing. It was yeah. just sheer balls. He went right in there, he locked up, but he made it stick. It was just gutsy. <laughs> It wasn't just that, though, because he, I mean, he definitely he oh, made he a better getaway because yeah, yeah, he, yeah. uh, he got past Copper Line and just accelerating uh, down the straight. And then, as you say, uh, fantastic late braking. And as he was going round the outside of Lewis, Hamilton reckoned, presumably, don't want to have a crash here, don't want to take myself off, let him go, and I'll catch him later. In the end, it paid off. So is this the new sensible Lewis? You know, there's a lot of talk about him being a bit more mature this year. And Was he just backing off a little bit, or is he realising perhaps he got away with a bit too much at the British Grand Prix, because he was a bit close to he wasn't he, at one point at the British Grand Prix? And you think, oh, he's learnt from that. It was a bit scary, that moment, wasn't it? No, I don't know. I think I wouldn't criticise a single moment of that British Grand Prix drive <laughs> myself. I mean, maybe he is in just the extreme moments making slightly better judgments. I mean, I think there have been moments when he's pushed things a little bit too far, taken a bit too much of a risk maybe, particularly last year. Mostly, he's an incredibly mature, incredibly developed driver for his years, you know, no, no doubt about that. You know, he has those moments of inexperience shows through and we're seeing fewer and fewer of those getting experience in. So, Richard, yes. who's the quicker of the two Ferrari drivers at the moment. Right at the moment. Yeah. Well, I think it's Felipe Massa. Wrong. Wow. Okay, this is a trick wow. question. It is a trick question. Kind. Yeah. It's the test driver. Um, no. Well, Neither is it Kimi Raikkonen, but it's certainly not Felipe Massa. Would it be? Oh right. Okay. Felipe Massa. Felipe Massa. Fal. Felipe Massa. <laughs> Come on. What's what's the dealio? I had one sentence to say to Mr Massa at the British Grand Prix because I, I, we were in a paddock club when he, he walked by and as I walked alongside him I wasn't recording but I said to him Philippa can you just tell me the correct way of pronouncing your rain, name <laughs> rain, pronouncing, pr- pronouncing your name <laughs> pronouncing pronouncing <laughs> pronouncing your brain <laughs> you know Violet used to phone up the BBC pronunciation department I quite deliberately that. and say hello is that the BBC pronunciation yes. department oh, well, <laughs> actually doesn't make but but, it, <laughs> but talking about pedanticism, I said to him, so Pedantry. what is the correct way <laughs> of pronouncing your name? And he said, uh, you got it right. It's Philippa, not Felipe Massa. Philippa Massa. Not Philippa, that, as wait. in Forrester, no, no. Philippa. Philippa. Yeah, yeah, like Philippa, but with an with an E at the start. Yeah, Philippa. Yeah? 
So, let's try it all together now. One, two, three. Felipa Massa. Felipa Massa. And Damon got it right. In replacing Martin Who? Brundle, sorry, Damon, 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 Damon. <laughs> he said Philippa Massa. He didn't say Felipe. He said Philippa Massa. It may have been a stumble, but he stumbled correctly. Now, actually, having said that, you know, had a great start for the race and an exciting finish. Well, you know, in the, it all got very exciting at the end when uh, when Massa blew up and all of a sudden Kovalainen's heading for victory. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, one of the most notable things about that race was how good Damon Hill was as a commentator. I thought he did a cracking job. You know, he was incredibly good at picking up on the finer points of driving technique. In the qualifying sessions, for example, he was made a little point about Robert Kubica and uh, just how good his turn into one of the corners was. There are the yeah. little things yeah, that yeah. he was picking up on all the time. Yeah. I think he's better when he's got to think on his feet. He was like a race engine. I didn't watch qualifying, I just watched the race. Mm. And the start-up... He was idling, dun, 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 dun. and he yeah, was just yeah. tripping over himself a bit. It wasn't so good. He was spluttering, you know. He maybe got not on. Vettel's name wrong. He called him. He didn't call him Sebastian. He called him something like um, Julie or something like that. Susan. <laughs> Susan. Susan. Susan Vettel. Although it is actually pronounced like that. Vettel. Uh, all of the letters are silent and replaced <laughs> by other ones. And but he found his stride in the race. race. He found his stride in the race, I think, because yeah. he had to then sort of think on his feet. And you're right. That real sort of insight that he brought, which Brundle does extremely well, but. <laughs> I think yeah, Damon yeah. Hach is certainly going to be someone to watch in the future if maybe uh, Martin Brundle suddenly decides he can't be bothered to go to some other race. Which leads me to, actually, a question. Why is Martin Brundle never in Hungary? Uh, the the, the official reason, as far as I know... business, isn't yeah, it? Fam family or? reasons. He says he, right. can, he can't, can't be there for family reasons. You've got another theory, I reckon, haven't you, Richard? Uh, well, no. <laughs> I've got a few theories about this. Thank you for putting me on the spot there. Uh, <laughs> Any we can repeat on it? No, or? exactly. I'm just trying to think of the ones that are legally questionable. No, I'm just curious and I wonder whether he had a bad goulash once and he just can't bear to go back to Hungary. Yeah. Or... Because, no, here's the serious know, thing. Family commitments, is it always on the same date, the Hungarian Grand Prix? I, I Pretty much. Is it, yeah. is it really, In is August, it really, yeah. Is it really? Is it, really, well, you, is it like you, his you wife's birthday or something like that? Wedding anniversary or something? Is or, it... And I'm just speculating here. Is it that he killed a man in Hungary and he doesn't want to go back um, I think that's unlikely unpaid speeding tickets would be more likely I think oh yeah, yeah okay there's, there's, yeah I didn't think that, of that yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something, you know who knows it's a yeah some pissed off Hungarian hitman's after him I don't know yeah so. it could be that maybe he just got into a card game in downtown Budapest and then he owes someone money I don't know it's odd well, but it could be something very innocent like you know a child's birthday or maybe he just maybe can't he just be bothered. Like hungry. Maybe he just doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's not hungry for it anymore. Sorry about that, but I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> All right, sunshine, where's the fire? Uh, well, it's over there, look! Blimey, you're right. Look at that. That's massive. Someone probably should call the fire-type men thing, you know, the brigade. You don't have their number, do you? What? It's, I, I, I do know uh, it's got a nine in it somewhere. I, um, officer, I'm sure it's the usual number. Right. It, don't tell me. It's it's a nine, and then it's got a, uh, a seven or so. I don't know. Um, nine double nine, something like that. I can never remember it. Anyway, if I were you, sir, I'd get away from here as fast as possible uh, because that burning building might set fire to your car. Take these uh, matches and this petrol you've dropped uh, with you as well. Off you go. No. Oh, 
Am I the only one who noticed the interview that Christian Horner did, Christian Horner who runs Arden, who also runs the Red Bull team for Dieter Metatish, he sounds like Westwood, the DJ, in the interviews. Did you, do you notice this, or is it just me? He was asked a question, he said, well, you know, you know, the car's like really, we're really pleased at how the thing's <sighs> going, yeah, boom, now boom. Drop the bomb. Right, yeah, yeah. Now, wait a minute, now, speaking of Westwood, now, am I wrong about this, but is Pimp My Ride the show that has made the worst ever transition from one side of the Atlantic to the other? No. You know, no? No. Ah. Because... There was a soppy show of the Golden Girls made in the UK called the Brighton Bells with, with Jean Boat out of uh, bread in it. Yes. It's officially the worst TV programme ever we made. Have a winner. I'm sorry to detract away from what was, in, in fairness, a very good point because Pimp My Ride is the UK is well, awful. It is and, and your show is incredible. It's say, yeah. the world's leading source of statements of the bleeding obvious as well. I love it when they, they go around the table and go, so OK, jazz. what are you going to do? And that guy will go, this car has got a terrible sound system, so we're going to put in a better sound system. <laughs> well, yeah, are you really? Otherwise, you're not doing your job properly. I just love the way they just say things. I mean, this car has got a lot of bad rust. We're going to sort that. Well, yes, of course you are. But they do it with such flair, oh, and yeah, they do no, it I, with, I, with I, such over-the-top. Well, I think Exhibit, you know, when he was he's doing it, it's brilliant. He's really a fantastic funny. presenter, and he's got exudes such enthusiasm mm. and, and warmth. You know, yeah, you'd yeah, happily exactly. take him home to meet your grandmother. Mm. Yeah, because um, you know he wouldn't cap her. But at the same time, <laughs> if you crossed him, even he's a bad he's a guy. Yeah. The trouble with the British show, the American show, you know, they'll start with something interesting, like an old Chevy or an old Cadillac or something. Like yeah, that. and they'll put, they'll put a jacuzzi yeah. uh, and an Olympic swimming pool yeah. in the back of it. The British uh, show. Redo it with, I don't know, like, marble floor yeah. and the most incredible sort of flame paint job. The, the British show, they'll It'll start be- with a Vauxhall blooming Nova. If I was on my ride, start with a Vauxhall Nova, first thing we're going to do, Throw it away and then go and buy an old Alpha Sud. And that'll do you. That's, you know, come on, really. Is that why yeah. Gareth Jones is <laughs> buy me an old Alpha Sud? Never <laughs> took off. <laughs> Never got past the pilot show. What are you going to do in show two? Go, oh, I'm just going to buy me an old Alpha Sud. You, you think that's a bad format? <laughs> I was involved in the writing of a format. My manager, some 20 years ago, apart from being a manager, was also an insurance broker. <laughs> It's true. And he worked up a, a programme with me once, which was a aim show based on the theme of motoring insurance and cars, and it was called No Claims Bonus. <laughs> and let's go for the No Claims Bonus. So that, uh, your 60% No Claims Bonus. Is, that was possibly worse than any Pimp My Ride. You are thoroughly ashamed of yourself. Deeply. Now I, uh, I am, yes, deeply. Yes. And you Mind think you... this show's bad. <laughs> yeah. Granada Men and Motors didn't exist in those days, though, did it? Dust off that format. Bad <laughs> thing, you've got a 20-part series. Gareth Jones Speed Competition! Are you going to the Belgian Grand Prix this year? Why, yes. Would you like to be able to keep up to date with full race coverage wherever you are at the circuit? Don't mind if I do. Want to follow all the lap times, pit stop times and watch in-car cameras of your favourite driver? Sounds marvellous. Tell me how. Well, all you have to do is enter this Gareth Jones on Speed competition. The prize is free rental of two kangaroo portable TVs for the F1 race at Spa to be used for the whole race weekend, 5th to 7th of September... 2008. Just answer this simple question. The first ever edition of Gareth Jones on Speed was recorded at the British Grand Prix. But what year was this? 2003, 2004 or 2005? 
Send us your answer by email, including your home address and phone number. Entries must reach us before 8pm on Tuesday, September the 2nd, and two winners will be chosen at random and contacted before 10pm on Wednesday, September the 3rd. Full details of the competition can be found at www.garethjones.tv slash kangaroo. Good luck. Or as they say in Belgium, Pommes frites mit meal. Gareth Jones and Speed Competition! Summer is here and a uh, boy... I'm getting to sound like Terry Wogan. Summer is here and a boy's mind turns to driving an open-top car. A cabriolet. And actually, I've just spent a week in a really, 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 really lovely ragtop. But we'll talk about that in a moment. What have you been driving in terms of cars without a roof, Richard? He said with a leading question, because I know... (laughs) Oh, that question was loaded. With lead. Uh, (laughs) Like the body of an old extra. A new old car. Yeah. You've got a very, very red neck. Do you know, this is the second time I've been sunburnt in a year. Only the second time. I, I've burned quite easily, but I'm quite careful. But I've been burnt twice in the last 12 months, and both of those occasions have been in Longbridge, Birmingham. That's yeah, ridiculous. Birmingham's well known as a For, dangerous uh, what, the, the sunburned tropical hot spot. Let's put two and six together here now. Hmm, Richard's got a red neck. He's been to Longbridge. Perhaps he's been driving a... British Leyland car without a roof. And I say British Leyland deliberately. Because... Well, because the car you were driving was a Metro going backwards, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah, kind of. No, I I went to drive that new relaunched MGTF that uh, Nanjing slash Shanghai Automotive have brought back in our building or at least assembling bits of uh, Longbridge. And it's, it's, I think, going on sale next month, but they've started building them now. And, you know, it's the moment we thought might never come. Their, their car's coming out of Longbridge again, which is all very complicated, and I won't bore you with it here, but I drove the TF again. I've driven TFs before and MGFs before that, and I always had quite a soft spot for that car. Not a soft top. Uh, get out. Um... <laughs> So, see, the thing is, it sort of feels the same, but there's no bad thing in that. It's quite a sweet little car. I don't know what it is. You, you know the old one. There's wrong with it. Yeah, I know the old one. And what they did was, when they turned it from the F, which always had a really, really fantastic ride, particularly for a sports car, because it was hydrogas. Yeah. Hmm. And then, when the Metro died, the Rover 100 or whatever, then, then suddenly the economies of scale they were supposedly getting from doing the fluid hydrogas suspension disappeared from having a mainstream car that was using the same bits. So they converted the MGF to steel springs, and it became yeah. the TF, and they sort of toughened up the styling as well. And I always thought it looked a lot nicer like that. But it had an incredibly, incredibly stiff ride with the new steel springs. And then just before MG Rover went norks up, they softened it off a little bit, and I never drove that one, but I heard it was a lot better. And these are the settings that now Nansang, Hijing, whatever they're going to be called. Hijinks. Hijinks Automotive. Kaching UK Limited. <laughs> uh, seem to have used. So it, it sort of rides quite well now. It's one of those cars, that you, you know certain cars you can just drive cross-country quite quickly with very little effort. It's got a lot of grip, but it just it sort of it flows along the road quite nicely. And I think probably for sort of sheer 
thrills an MX-5 might still be better. I'm not a big fan of the new MX-5, but mm-hmm. one. Looks what this is all the driving? Uh, the driving. Yeah. I, I prefer the MG over the MX-5, honestly. I think the M- MX-5 is a little bit bar of soapy, and I think that... Uh, I drew, the one I drove was orange with black wheels, and it looked really, really quite groovy. Mm. Um, no, it, my, my mate John had the MGF, and is very fond of it. Technically, it's, you know, it's, it's wrong. They've got these new instruments in it, which are horrible, and, and the dashboard is, is yeah, okay. But. Would anyone buy it anymore, though? Because it strikes me as being a bit like... You know, buying um, a larder, you know, you're buying something that's put 10 or 15 years out of date, built by a bunch of people which weren't the best people to build that car in the first place, you know, because the larder was an exhumed Fiat 128 and the current TF is a sort of reanimated MG. Yeah, yeah but who buys a convertible or any kind of sports car on rational, sensible yeah, ground? Exactly. That's you know, true. It's an emotional purchase. If yeah. they brought back one of those MG saloons that they were making there before MG Rover went down, I think there would be absolutely no point because you buy a hatchback or a saloon for rational reasons and there are many more modern, better equipped, better built cars out there now because just things have moved on but yeah as Zog says exactly that a sports car is an emotional purchase oh, there's a girl I went to school with who bought an MGTF a few years ago when they were still being built by MG Rover and she just went out and bought it she didn't even test drive it mm. she just wanted it she liked the look of it mm. and I think that's where they'll score if people like the look of it they'll buy it But it's but, not going to be cheap though is it or it's like 16 and a half mm. so it's more than the very basic MX-5, but the very basic MX-5 is very, very basic. And this, they've thrown all the kit at it, and it's got uh, all the stuff you'd want. I mean, that's the thing. There's something about it. I would never claim it's a particularly sort of technically brilliant car, and in places it's it's slightly shabby, but mm. I don't know. There's something slightly endearing about it. Well, You're a dyed-in-the-wool MG Rover, British Leyland, Austin, Morris, MG, Wolseley man, really, aren't you? I mean, but I have to admit that most of the cars they made were utter crap, so yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah. blinkered to it at all, you know. The, like, the Rover 45 was a pile of old sh**, but, but at the same time, weirdly, the MG ZS that was based on it was utterly wonderful because it handled, like, almost no saloon car of that era and of that type. It was extraordinary. I mean, it absolutely weed all over a Golf GTR or something like that in terms of just going around corners and things. They've fixed the emissions, haven't they? It's now yeah, compliant. Yeah, it's and there's a whole new, they've called it the N series now, and it is just a K series that's been tweaked and updated. And yeah, plenty of oomph, they haven't yeah, been Yeah, it's, it's nippy, it's nippy. It's got a really nice gear change on it. It's not the Mazda snicky snick kind of gear change. It feels like before Peugeot lost the plot it feels like a really sort of silky well lubricated change so you find yourself just sort of changing up and down the box which helps you sort of move it along it's not a quick car but at the same time I got out of my lumping great VXR8 which is, is a quick car and has got a bag load of torque and this is much more revy thing and the last time I drove anything except my Vauxhall was a Corsa courtesy car that I had the day when it went into the dealer and I just got so annoyed with that because yeah. it was just oh come on bit of torque give me some torque I don't want to change gear. I want to leave it in third and go everywhere in third, like an automatic. And but actually, the MG I think because it had a good gear change in it. I don't know. I can't explain. It. I think it's one of those cars that defies actual rational analysis because, yeah, technically it's not very good. Uh, you can feel the body flexing more than a modern convertible would. The seat's still too high. They've been making that car for God, what, like twelve years now, and the seat is still too high. I think because they'd have to re-crash test it if they change the seat. I forget now. There's some homologation reason why they don't. So I was driving with the roof off, and apart from getting a burnt neck, my head was projecting over the top of the screen. So I've ended up with this kind of beavers and butt hair. <laughs> but I don't know. I just quite liked it. I don't know how they're going to do with this I think they've sold most of the 500 they're going to make of this initial run then they're going to carry on making it at a lower price but it won't have all the options on it and stuff they're never going to do massive massive numbers with it because it's not that kind of car but if they think they can make 
a sort of bridgehead to remind people about MGs and then start doing some new stuff. They're promising new stuff. They're promising a whole new sports car that they won't actually say anything more about. Well, just, just clear up one thing for me, because I, I thought they basically cleared all of the old equipment out of Longbridge to ship it yeah. off to China yeah. to the new factories. Yeah. So have they shipped stuff back or installed new equipment, or, th- or did they leave stuff behind in some of the sheds? Uh, yeah, they left some stuff behind, but the body shells arrived from China. So the bodies are made out in China. And then the final paint then, coat goes on in Longbridge, supposedly, and then uh, it's all trimmed. And then the and all the other Yeah, the engine arrives from China. So, so it's really just... It's by a, final it's paint coat, do you mean that they just wipe the wax off? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I... Really? I don't I can know sense that there's a truth in that there. from what you're saying. I don't know what's going on. I'm still kit. trying to find out what's going on there. And well, it's a bit odd, but they wouldn't let us see the production line today, put it that way. Keep okay. us posted. Mm. So, what's your favourite open top? driving experience and don't say that lovely Lotus Elise SC that we had a few weeks ago which okay, was gorgeous okay so just got which, which one was yeah there yeah, we go well, okay discounted it well I've had a couple of convertibles um, in the past I love my little MG midget you say the new MG is not mechanically fantastic perhaps uh, you know might have all sorts of little things wrong with it but but you like it. That's kind of how I felt about the midget. You know, mm. it's, mm. it had all sorts of things wrong with it. You know, it used to eat suspension components. Mm. Uh, you know, I think one winter I had to get the air out about twice a week to get it started. Flames would come out of the exhaust on some down changes if the engine was a little more out of tune than usual. <laughs> That's a good thing. It was, good. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was all sorts of stuff wrong with it, but it was just such a lovely, nippy little car to drive around town. Not too big. It was a joy to drive, and it wasn't an intimidating car. People would tend to let you out at junk and, you know, you'd get the smile, and it's, it, that was a great pleasure. And on a slightly different note, I, I also had a lot of fun in a 1972 Pontiac Catalina for a while. Oh. Uh, enormous chunk of big V8 engine Americana. Uh, I, I can share that experience, because I had a Pontiac Bonneville, I think a 72 convertible Bonneville, which I drove around California for a few months, which I got from Rent-A-Wreck, and it cost me nothing like $60 a week to rent in those days. The big American car experience is really worth living, you know, mm. if you're at all into cars. To cut the story short, we was with friends, and we're driving in Washington State, and I'd been doing about 65, a little over the national speed limit, got pulled over by a very friendly patrolman who explained that to spot a plane, which we probably should have noticed, <laughs> according to him, Ouch. had popped me doing a little bit more than the limit, and uh, he wrote out the ticket very friendly and was making conversation, and uh, how much longer are you going to be in the States? Oh, a couple of weeks. He says, oh, well, I, I wouldn't bother paying this ticket. You know, <laughs> really? He said that? He did say that, so obviously <laughs> I didn't bother paying the ticket. 18 months later back in London, I get a letter from a court in Washington explaining that since I haven't paid <laughs> oh, this fine, no. uh, which was uh, yeah, $30 or something at the time, you know, I, I now owe them $180. No. And I thought, well, you know, if I don't pay this, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get back into the state. I'll show my passport at customs and I'll say, oh, we've got a warrant for you. So uh, I, feel I don't know what that says about Washington state troopers or the American legal system, but... Uh, They're after your cash, mate. Yeah. And this could be the reason, of course, I feel we've come full circle, as to why Brundle doesn't go to Hungary anymore. Maybe he was driving around with some... What are they building in Hungary? Do they build any cars in Hungary? Uh, oh, yeah, Stier- Suzuki Swift. A yeah. Swift, yeah. yeah. Maybe he's driving around a, in a Swift convertible and he had the same thing happen to him. Yeah, There's a warrant out for his address. I'm only guessing. Uh, let me tell you about my convertible now. Go on, ask me. Oh, go on. Go on, ask me. What, what convertible do you, you know, have you been driving? It was a BMW 635 diesel, the sport convertible, a sport version of the diesel. And I reckon I invented this car. 
<laughs> I'm serious. Okay. Yeah, BMW may have a, an issue with this. But <laughs> yes. About, I think it was about 15 years ago, I wrote an article about my perfect car, the, the car of the future, the car I'd most want. And I reasoned that I loved the old Jag XJS. And it was about the time when they'd gone from the Cabriolet version of the XJS, do you remember, with the mm-hmm. T-bar roof, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to the full convertible. Mm-hmm. I thought, great, I'd love one of those, bit of room in the back for me, model aircraft or whatever it was. But... I couldn't live with the V12 or the AJ6 engine gulping fuel. Even in those days, I was saying, well, you know, it's going to get expensive or I'm just, it's just too much. They should get Perkins to do a diesel version of a straight six. Mm. Stick a couple of turbochargers on it. A diesel convertible luxury sports car is the car of the future. And so when I heard that BMW had stuck the 635, which is a three-litre straight-six twin-turbo engine in the convertible BMW 6 Series, I reckon I'd invented that car. Exactly that car. It is, yeah. So I I managed to get one to drive around for a while and go up to Wales and put the kids in the back, because this is the thing. It's one of the few convertibles that is big enough to put little people in the back. You know, you can't do it in a Porsche, can you? You can do it in a big Merc, but they haven't given me a car yet so I did it in a BMW and it's got this really clever thing as well the rear window which is a vertical rear window it's not like the mm. coupe the slope one um, you can control that so if you've got little people in the back because you're cool in the front the, you know the backdraft isn't too bad in the front you've got little guys in the back and you're going up the motorway my two loved it but they were exhausted after 45 minutes <laughs> put the rear window up I mean rear window I don't mean rear side windows rear window and you know their hair was remaining on their head bless them and what an engine in that car Mm. Have, you, have you driven the six diesel? Uh, at all? No, I've driven that engine in a three series. Yeah, it's Good a engine, phenomenal yeah. engine. I was belting around North Wales, and there's a stretch of road I know where a series of S bends where I've written off cars in the past. And uh, I, I went up this hill. It's a bit of an alpine kind of hairpin left and right, and it's about a one in well, one in one gradient it must mm. be. It's really unbelievably steep. And I thought, oh, I'll just put my foot down and see what this thing does. We leapt to the top of the hill, and I turned round, and we'd actually folded the tarmac <laughs> behind <laughs> us. It's one of those cars with so much torque that it's the old cliche, it would send the earth spinning backwards if you were too heavy with the right foot. And I thought, this is wonderful, but after a couple of days driving it, you start to notice that it's not quite as instantaneous as a sports car mm. should be. Then I tried the sport button. I scared myself. <laughs> I really? did. I really did. Yeah, yeah. It holds it down, not just one gear, because it's a six-speed auto. I think it holds it down oh, about right, three so gears. The, yeah, it's the auto. With the paddles, which make no effect whatsoever other than change the position of the rev counter. Other than that, mm. I could detect no difference, not even in the engine note. But that's funny, because generally with diesel engines, one of the characteristics, as we all know, of a diesel engine is you've got more torque lower in the rev range, yeah. less higher up. That's right. Therefore, there's less to be gained by revving the engine higher in each gear. Yeah. Would, is it doing anything else other than... It just went oomph from low down. If, if I went to manual and started fiddling with the paddles, mm. it didn't seem to make any difference at all. It, I swear, astounding. It's got this twin turbo, the sequential, so the little one comes in first, and then mm. a bigger one when you need it later on, and it seems to have evened things out. The downside, I could smell and taste diesel for a week. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know if it's because it's a, a cabriolet, uh, and that, you know, you're exposed to it in some way that you're not. It shouldn't be. Mm. But, I, I swear, I had this bizarre taste of a combination of garlic and chlorine and 
unless it's some, something new in diesel, because I've driven diesels before and I've never experienced this before, but I swear I could taste diesel. Is it because it's a biodiesel that you can get from filling pumps these days? It's got a different aroma or something that I'm noticing the difference? I don't think that pump diesel is that bio. No, I don't think, I think, I think it's maybe no. going I mean, to go. Petrol currently is something that's supposed to be, it's supposed to be what, about sort of 5 or 10% Bio-derived, supposedly. I don't know if diesel is even that high. But, uh, but the biodiesel burns more cleanly, so mm. I don't know. But I could definitely taste something, I swear. But what a lovely car. Was fat really? Fa- oh, yeah, really? yeah. I mean, I know... Well, I know right, it, it, right, I, I, any good? Yeah, yeah. Violet commented that she got quite used to being floated around in the Sora, which has still got a really mm. reasonable ride. Not fantastic, it's a reasonable ride, and you compare it to any other car these days, and you notice other cars feel lumpy and bumpy. Mm. And this had the 19-inch wheels on it, which probably aren't the best wheels mm. to have on this. You get r- really bumpy road surfaces, and you notice it, but you get a mm. reasonable road surface, and it makes the most of it. So it's a car that's set up to be comfortable when the going is good and to make the most of that. You know, it, mm. it, here, here's your luxury, sir, and have a glass of champagne. That's the sort of the feeling about it. Good-looking car, I thought. I mean, I saw, I, yeah. I saw you pulling up in it just, just yeah. the other day, and, yeah, I thought... Yeah, it's a, it's a, I'm not knocked out by the looks. I think it's handsome in a kind of parrotfish sort yeah, of it, way, it, <laughs> you know? It's not spectacular. It's not as good-looking as the XKR, is it, rag? Or the XK rag, I should say. Uh, no, it's not, actually. No. Uh, no, I, but, no. but it, you know, it's a sort of solid, elegant-looking car, and it's sort of in a moderately big way. Well, I, don't, I don't mind the way it looks. Even the coupe looks a great on me. But I, I think the coupe looks better. I think it looks better than the cabriolet. When the 645 coupe first came out, Evo had one as a long-termer, uh, which was a manual. And I drove that for a weekend, and I thought it was one of the worst cars I'd driven. (laughs) I thought it was utterly awful. The clutch is really weird, Uh massively long travel with the biting point in the wrong way, Uh almost impossible to drive smoothly. The ride was appalling. The steering, all wrong. I don't know what, it wasn't the active steering, it was just wrong. Just variable ratio rack, that was never the right ratio when you needed it. Uh, the sat-nav had no idea. It couldn't find its own face in the dark. It was pathetic. <laughs> and was going, also, I couldn't turn it off. And I, and I hate that. And I have constant arguments with some of my Top Gear colleagues when they go, oh, I can't turn the sat-nav off in this. And usually there's just a button. Yeah. There's just a way of turning it off. But that beam one, I swear to God, you couldn't turn the thing off. You had to just keep setting it to wherever you were going, even if you knew where you were going, and then try and get her to shut up. We had no trouble with that. Well, it's a new generation I drive. It's probably the original one. But no, I genuinely, I absolutely hated that car with a passion to the point where Evo, because they've been lent it for a year by BMW, in the end edited some of my copy out because they didn't necessarily agree with everything I said, but also because they it was so viperous what I'd written that they thought <laughs> the BMW would instantly take the car back <laughs> and, and write them off as a bunch of ungrateful ba- <laughs> I did. I genuinely hated that car. I thought it was awful. Quite the opposite. I mean, I, I like the idea of the car, mm. you know, the, the diesel cabriolet, but the execution of it, it was, I liked its subtlety. And that's a ridiculous thing to say about a big BMW. Mm. But I felt less conspicuous in that car than I would say in a XK convertible, you know, with its very long bonnet. I think mm. it's all to do with the proportions of the car. What is it they call the 635 diesel the uh, footballer's favourite? <laughs> uh, I, I'm, you know, know nothing about football, but I enjoyed the car. You know, how does that work? And in terms of handling, the ride was glorious. The handling, it's 
dock with those 19-inch wheels mm. uh, to a point where it raised almost as many smiles as that Elise we had the other week. And in terms of oomph, let me tell you this. We stopped in, in North Wales on a quiet deal carriageway in, um, just outside of Wrexham because one of my little lads needed a wee, so he had a wee and we got in the car. No one on the deal carriageway, North Wales, the joy of this. And so I'll, I'll just see what this thing really goes like. So I put my foot down, off we went, and little guy in the back went, Dad! Stop! <laughs> I said, what's the matter? Don't go that way! Oh. So many G-forces. He threw up. <laughs> I swear. And luckily, he, because it was a ragtop, he had Violet's coat over his knees at the time, which managed to capture <laughs> every single iota of the cream cheese bun oh, that he'd been no, eating, no, which no, is regurgitating. No. So, a car with so much urge, it can make six-year-olds vomit... That's not a bad thing to say about a diesel engine, is Remind it? Remind me never to give a ride to small children. <laughs> it's an occupational hazard. <laughs> Even when you're driving a 65,000 car with 300 mega newtons of ultra talky things. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yes. How much? Three billion. No, it's 289 no, brake no, horsepower. The price, the, the price. price. 62 grand for 62 that 62 grand? Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, with the various options that I have. What are the options on it? Uh, well, the, the well, Bluetooth preparation... They they charge you connected for Bluetooth. iDrive. Yeah. They charge you £465 for yeah. Bluetooth. The B- BMW connected on, online, the DAB radio, uh, the professional navigation, which was. As opposed to what? The amateur navigation. <laughs> That's oh, the I one you had. Yeah. Oh, I think it's down here. I'm not sure. I'm new. And I have to say, the USB connection was great because I had my What's phone talking. Hang on, hang on. You've thrown things out. Was that uh, like 400 USB? quid for that? Hang on, I'm reading it. it they do have a cheek, don't uh, they? God, you get all that standard on. Um, like a Panda 200 quid. But I could stick my, my USB drive, little pen drive in, which yeah. had about 15 albums on. Oh, really? And it all came up on there. It was glorious. That's and nice. iDrive, oh, okay. it like, took me about uh, 20 minutes. You, once again, you get that standard on, like, a Kia Seed, so... Yeah. 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 <laughs> or a very cheap MP3. But yeah. don't let anyone <laughs> knock iDrive anymore, because we got in that car, and within 20 minutes, we were, had the Bluetooth and everything working. We were heading up the yeah. road. I'd even managed to get the lane discipline thing working that keeps you on the lane and the, mm. the cruise control that's more like an autopilot that breaks yeah. when you get too close mm. to cars but I never got close enough to find out I chickened out oh, but, I'll tell you no, what, if, you're not, if you ever want to really you, test you your metal yeah. test your nerve no no yeah. oh no what I tell you do if you really want to test your nerve with those auto cruise things I do it in a Merc because you suspect they engineer it the best I think twice about doing it in a Jag just because their budgets are quite low <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, you, what you do is you, you're going on the motorway. Don't do a massive closing speed, but you suddenly tuck in behind a truck, and it'll do a full slam on break. Yeah, yeah, it's really? quite exciting. You'd want to be really, really sure you've got the thing turned on. <laughs> 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 and on that note, let's say goodbye. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye. Oh, by the way, the next episode of On Speed will feature some music. It's the music compilation annual special. Well, we have a short holiday, and I believe we've got some guests from around the world hosting the show for us, really? which is going to be quite something, I believe. And uh, we'll leave you with a song on the theme of cabriolets and driving with your top off. This is the well known typing error, George Fromby, with uh, topless driving. Once again, fellas, say goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. With a man like mine in the house of wine, every 
everything is pervertible Even the usually innocent task of driving a convertible I must admit I feel a twitch and I start to turn to wood When I think of lovely Mrs. Woo fiddling with a hood So I bought myself a cabriolet, the roof went down the treat Quite impressed my girlfriend who was begging at my feet I pushed the button on dashboard to make it fall away Just my luck, it ran amok and it jammed about halfway I said, right Fanny, let's have it on She said, no, let's have it on You carry on like that, and with George And I'll be flipping John I was disappointed with a folding fabric top My girl was let down badly Cause I couldn't get it up Oh, I love topless driving It is lots of fun Showing off you I mean In the blazing sun They always leave me pants on Hey, I have a one Cause I can't manage the over damage To burn me northern bun Oh, get your chop off everybody Let's all have a laugh Let's go chopless you and me